hear me? All right. Thank you. I took an advanced theology class this past semester, and it was titled Theology and Ethics of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and it was taught by Dr. Ray Owens, the pastor of Metropolitan Baptist Church of Tulsa. And it was a powerful class where we got to soak in the philosophy and the theology of Dr. King with his speeches and writings and actions all being examined. This is why I chose to speak with you about King's idea of negative peace from the first reading. Paramount to our supportive participation in nonviolent transformation work, then and now, is the recognition of what is. We can't address what we don't acknowledge. We have to call a thing a thing. So, all right. For us to get started in attaining true peace, we, especially those that have privileges, need to wake up to negative peace. Dr. King wrote about that. Our theme this month is transcendence, and I say we transcend the illusion of negative peace, because it's everywhere. If the work is infinite, like Father Utner wrote in his prayer, then the negative peace must be too. So this is interactive. Would you say there is negative peace in the world? Yeah? Is there negative peace in our nation? Yeah? Is there negative peace in our state? Yeah? (laughs) Is there negative peace in our city? Is there negative peace in quiet, safe South Tulsa? Is there negative peace in our church? Hope here on this hill. Oh. I noticed the last two, our church, this hill, the personal two, are much less fun to affirm. There is negative peace among us and within us. And if you think we do things perfectly, or at least we do them well enough, I'm not going to rain on your parade. I want you to burst that bubble. Listen and wake up. We have been bamboozled. We are constantly bamboozled by negative peace. Perhaps you're thinking, I get it. It's bad out there. I, I really do get it. And Yadani, if the rest of the world is the wide open sea, Unitarian Universalism is a colorful coral reef, the beloved home for us fish, and marginalized people, I mean marginalized fish, are safer here than anywhere else. We are the haven. How can you compare the threat of sharks to the shelter of sea anemones? So yeah, I mean, it's wild out there. I, I watch the news, but at Hope, no, it's not like out there. That's stretching it. That's provocative to imply it is. Friends, I'm sorry to say, it's even here. You see, negative peace isn't the sharks or other predators. They suck, don't get me wrong. But they're a symptom not the negative peace. Negative peace is the water itself. And that we are all participatory in. Crap, right? (laughs) I know some of you in this room were in the civil rights movement half a century ago, and we're still talking about it. 
And this intern minister dares to say it permeates society that bad still. And if that's true, if white supremacy culture is that inescapable, if injustice and oppression is that near, what are we to do? To get out of this, we would have to leave the ocean. And in this analogy, we're all still fish. Take a breath. If you feel I'm attacking you or talking about race too much, take a breath and listen some more. I want us to do something meaningful today. I don't want to beat anyone up. I don't want to attack or shame because I dare us to move past the exhaustion or the fear of the endless task before us. Just for a moment, breathe, and in the words of Sandhya Jha, director of the Oakland Peace Center, this is urgent generational work. It's a multiplicity. It is both far beyond our reach and deeply present here and now. We need to know we are in water to swim up to the surface, even if we currently have fish bodies that can't survive up there, even if our lifestyles and our social orders couldn't make it in this constructive future. It isn't to shame us, it's to awaken us to our power. I have a philosophical question. How could a fish know they were living in water if they lived there their whole lives, were looking through the lens of water, breathing water, drinking water, building their lives, understanding the world in water? Let's think about it. What could ever happen to reveal water to a fish? What could ripple the fabric of reality? Discomfort, a disturbance. If a fish, living its best fish life, was one day swimming and hit a boulder or something, that fish, if it was fully aware, if it was mindful, might just for a moment feel not only their body knocked back, but a shockwave, ever so small around their body, almost like a ghostly shiver. And if they thought about it long enough, they could convince themselves it didn't happen. If they weren't being present or if they missed it by whatever case, and it only happened a handful of times in their lives, they may never have to face the reality of a lifetime in water. We may never face a lifetime of oppression if it only happens a handful of times. But do you know who is great at at detecting negative peace early and often? The disenfranchised. They tend to know they're disenfranchised. This is convenient. Swimming into obstacles happen often. Bumping into patriarchy, heteronormativity, gender binaries, disability injustice, institutional violence, and environmental racism, or just plain racism. Countless times throughout their fish lives. And if you don't have those experiences, then you don't have the data to record and to confirm and consult that the hunch that society is soaking in negative peace. But 
There is another way to recognize negative peace and to keep the pressure on. We can lean in and deeply, with curiosity and open hearts, listen to others. Read their books and articles. Get into their communities. Journey side by side. You could read Selma, The Great Awakening in the UU Bookstore, and it's written by UU historian Mark Morrison-Reed, and it gives the Unitarian Universalist lens of Selma. Or you can read books by transgendered people, disabled people, indigenous people, queer people. Center their voices in your research, and don't just study. Let it change you. Let it keep you uncomfortable and striving for evolution. It isn't about, they were too harsh, they were so angry, they're sassy or stiff or private and judgmental. I don't want to talk to someone who is that guarded about me and they don't even know who I am. When they act in a way I like, then I'll get involved. Stop worrying about the approach of the marginalized communities and just focus on your own. Collaborate now. Join in solidarity now. Lean in and listen to their lives now. Be in relationship. Be in community. In the uncomfortable, growing edge of now, you have power. It is from this recognition and awareness we fuel our journey to swim up. The farther we go up, the more our fish bodies will be uncomfortable, but it is in the refusal to adjust to the way things are we have a chance at evolution. And perhaps, if we keep swimming up, if we keep pushing our comfort zones, if we keep challenging ourselves and our society to evolve, we may transcend this. We may make it up to the air. Humanity may no true peace. This is urgent, generational work. Dr. Jeremiah Wright has an analogy of a cake baked without sugar. And in the analogy, the baker offers the solution of sprinkling the sugar on top. The customer returns the cake again, insisting the lack of an ingredient couldn't be remedied by a quick fix. The very constitution of the cake needed reconsidering, remaking. A United States founded and functioning without indigenous and Latinx people's full humanity and rights-centered can't be sprinkled with reservations and inhumane southern borders and call it fixed. A United States without the humanity of black people can't be sprinkled with an amendment or two and call it whole. We need daring, courageous, vulnerable people who will be willing to speak out. There is sugar missing. We have to start over. No! There isn't a quick fix, and I'm committed to evolving from action pushed on by my moral descent of what is, knowing what could be. There is sugar missing, and I'm uncomfortable with it.
voices like Gandhi, like Thich Nhat Hanh, like Nelson Mandela, William Barber III, Valerie Kaur, Malala Yousafzai, Maxine Waters, Rosa Parks, and King. I have been hopefully consistent and clear in this and past sermons that the goal here is not shame. Shame suffocates growth. Guilt or responsibility identifies your participation, and thus it empowers us all. If we haven't been thinking about it or making space for these questions and these people and these ideas which contribute to negative peace, that reveals how much we can do for true peace. I'll give you an example. If you didn't consider subscribing to Tulsa's own Black Wall Street Times or dedicate your summer reading list to books by black, indigenous, queer, disabled people, then you can. It didn't cross your mind to commit to finding and shopping in and supporting local people of color or queer-owned businesses? Well, then think about all the financial leverage you still have to offer in the deconstruction of white supremacy. Look at that. If your global footprint is greater than one Earth can sustain, like we discussed on Earth Day, look at all the energy and resources you can reallocate for the preservation and celebration of nature instead of society's norm of extraction and consumption. See? Not shame. Responsibility. Look at the power you have and how you direct it towards our transcendence of negative peace. And I, personally, am maladjusted to white supremacy. I'm maladjusted to the centering of a dominant narrative, to a singular culture, to the illusion of a monolith, and the violence conducted in the name of innovation against people, cultures, and the earth. And I'm maladjusted to ignorance and prejudice and unchecked traditions and macro and micro aggressions, even in Unitarian Universalism. And I'm maladjusted to this water here at Hope. I can hold this and also love each of you, love this community. I can be maladjusted to the lack of people of color and the fact that neighbors and businesses within a mile radius don't all know hope is on this hill. I can be maladjusted that we're hidden from the street and unknown, and I can also celebrate our incredible natural wildlife and grounds, this organic healing space so rare in cities and suburbs. I can be maladjusted to the timid or nervous attitude towards getting uncomfortable and know this church that you are priceless and have inherent worth and dignity. I love us and want better for us. I love us so I bring up oppression. I love us so I bring discomfort and disturbance. You're welcome. I love us so I swim up. I love us so we can all swim up and offer something for peers and for coming generations to evolve from. For this is the movement of good, 
of God in the here and now. I love us, so I swim up. To my woke friends, those who feel aware of what's going on, I call you to call your loved ones in, not out. When we call people out, we exclude them and humiliate them. One of King's principles of nonviolent resistance is to offer inclusion, not disgust, to those we resist. Our rejection is of the fear, not of them. Their ideology, not their personhood. We are not to shame each other. This flares up an ego and would make anyone defensive. Gandhi and King knew anyone, including me, including you, don't learn well when we're defensive. Instead, we're called to correct and engage and challenge with the hope of gaining a friend. Call them in. We are interdependent and will need every single one of us to evolve this species. Don't just report back to the coral reef of Unitarian Universalist friends and say, whew, wow, they are prejudiced out there. They are xenophobic, my goodness. Or they are otherwise so fear-minded, oh my gosh. Out there, reporting these stories where you're a part wasn't not adding to the hate isn't transformative. For transformation to happen, we have to get closer and more vulnerable than that. Not adding to the ignorance doesn't combat negative peace. Just like not becoming a shark doesn't address the problem of water blindness. King wrote, true peace is in the presence of some positive forces. Justice, goodwill. Add something. Add you. Add you siding with love. To Reverend Martin Luther King's dream and the mountaintop vision of where we could go, Often, so many celebrate and agree, and they say, let's go. To those enthusiastic crowds that cheer to King's cry, I want us to be clear on where it is we're going. Yes, let's go, but where? If you want to get to the top, we must climb. On the path of discomfort, we make possible the ascent, we make possible transcendence of negative peace, and the co-creation of a new earth, a new day, true peace. In closing, take a breath. Here is an excerpt of Dr. Martin Luther King's speech at Western Michigan University. He delivered this on December 18, 1963, exactly five years before Hope's founding in 68. Modern psychology has a word that is probably used more than any other word in modern psychology. It is the word maladjusted. This word is the ringing cry to modern child psychology. Certainly, we all want to avoid the maladjusted life. In order to have real adjustment within our personalities, we all want the well-adjusted life in order to avoid neurosis and schizophrenic personalities. But I say to you, my friends, 
as I move to my conclusion. There are certain things in our nation and in the world which I am proud to be maladjusted and which I hope all people of goodwill will be maladjusted until the good societies realize. I say very honestly that I have never intended to become adjusted to segregation or discrimination, and I never intend to become adjusted to religious bigotry, and I never intend to adjust myself to economic conditions that will take necessities from the many to make luxuries for the few. I never intend to adjust myself to the madness of militarism, to self-defeating effects of physical violence. In other words, I'm about convinced now that there is a need for a new organization in our world. The International Association for the Advancement of Creative Maladjustment. Men, women, and people who will be as maladjusted as the prophet Amos, who in the midst of the injustices of his day would cry out in words that echo across the centuries, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like mighty streams. God grant that we will be so maladjusted that we will be able to go out and change our world and our civilization. And then we will be able to move from the bleak and desolate midnight of humanity's inhumanity to humanity to the bright and glittering daybreak of freedom and justice. For the month of June, Hope is giving its offering plate to Iron Gate.